This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hi, I'm Cheryl Kumlin, Managing Director of the Wharton Social Impact Initiative, and I'm here today with Julia Ballandina Jacquet, who's here to talk about her new book, Catalyzing Wealth for Change, A Guide for Impact Investing. Welcome, Julia. Thank you, Cheryl. It's good to have you here. So before we talk a little bit about the book and its contents, tell me about your background. What 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 you know catalyzed your interest in this kind of work? Right. I started in traditional um, companies and traditional investing. Mm-hmm. Um, about 23 years ago, I started with McKinsey, but shifted to financial services pretty soon, right. working with uh, ABB Financial Services and then AIG. By 2001, I was managing the direct private equity business of AIG. And it was then in 2003 when I um, got to know the type of an investment approach that targeted a dual set of returns. Mm-hmm, which is not what you've seen in the earlier things. Exactly. Financial returns and social returns. Right. At that time, it wasn't called impact investing, yes. but it really very fast attracting my attention because at that time I was searching for something which would be a purposeful career, not mm-hmm. just a f- traditionally successful right. career. And then I started an impact investment fund within AIG, managed it for five years, and then moved on to start an independent advisory and worked with a broad range of ultra-high-net-worth families around the world and advised uh, financial institutions, international banks, Swiss and UK governments on setting and implementing impact investment strategies. So you have a great background in the finance area, then. You've, and you've sort of been part of the, the development of this field, seen it as it's come along. How has that uh, affected the content that you've done in, in your book? I think it, it, was, it has greatly impacted yeah. the content. What I have seen in the field is that the interest towards impact investing is very, very strong, and it continues to grow, particularly among the high-net-worth individuals, uh, wealthy families, asset owners. And are you also seeing the same kind of interest we're seeing among millennials and, and the, the younger generations in that? For younger generations, for millennials, it's kind of uh, absolutely normal. It's a new normal for them. They talk about impact as something which is firmly part of their lives. But the interest to impact investing is not only limited to millennials. We see a lot of wealth holders, both from entrepreneurial uh, backgrounds and inheritors, who are drawn more and more towards this innovative approach, which uses the market forces, the innovative entrepreneurial solutions, to tackle very, very serious social environmental challenges. And the interest is there because people understand that we need private capital, government capital, and philanthropy is no longer enough. And there is an excitement to go beyond grant-based philanthropy where it can complement the grants by working with new actors of social change, which are the businesses and enterprises that pursue societal objectives and financial objectives. Well, and that sounds um, just as as inspiring as we've seen from the students, et cetera. But how do you move from that inspiration to action, right? Because that's the hard part. It's absolutely the hard part. And this is the reason for the book. A lot of research has been done which shows that uh, wealth holders absolutely adore this theme and wholeheartedly want to invest their capital 
with values, with impact. The problem is that acting on this intention to generate impact with their investments has been very difficult. It is more, much more complex area. Families need to really find out uh, what is the kind of impact they want to have, what kind of themes they want to tackle, what is the rate of return that is appropriate, is it too high, too low. Yeah. They didn't get a lot of help with the advisors. And as a result, there is a huge gap between intention to do impact investing and the actual action action and successful involvement in the field. So that's the reason for the guide. So how does your book, your guide, your toolkit, mm -hmm. differentiate itself from some other research and books that are out there? There's a lot of great pieces of work uh, out, and they're very inspirational. Uh, the things which differentiate this guide is that it is really focused on triggering action and not just providing inspiration. When I read the research and I get inspired, I say, I want to know how. Yes, I want to do right. it, but how do I do it? A lot of investors are at this stage where they're convinced intellectually, but they don't know how to start and whom to trust. So this guide is set in a way that will help those who are already convinced that they want to try to be meaningfully involved. It provides a lot of peer examples and case studies, 45 of them, which were selected from 167 in-depth face-to-face interviews with families around the world. It has practice, step-by-step -step guidance in all the stages of involvement in impact investing, from understanding what it is, understanding how peers have used this approach, be it a foundation, a family business, uh, a next-gener, and then developing a strategy, getting your family on board with it, and then actually started doing investing. So it's really hands-on approach, peer learning, and adapted style. No jargon, no financial language, so which will help people with different levels of financial sophistication and experience in investing to get the benefit of it and start doing it. So one of the things you're so you're talking about uh, the people using this right now being the uh -huh. the wealth holders themselves um, trying to understand uh -huh. how they might approach uh -huh. this what role do advisors play in in this kind of decisions one of the learnings actually from all those interviews is that advisors play an absolutely critical role in this area unlike philanthropy which a lot of families like to do by themselves uh, many families want to work with their traditional financial advisors in helping them align their wealth with their values. Because it is a complex field, it requires a financial experience. Some wealth holders don't have this experience. The others just don't have time because they're involved in their family businesses. They don't have time to really get uh, um, entangled into the nitty-gritty of the actual investment. And also, they want to work with credible advisors who can influence the patriarchs and matriarchs mm, of the mm -hmm, businesses mm -hmm. and get the buy-in from the maybe older generation on those who already have credibility within the family. Make family harmony yes. happen with that. And so what do you think the resistance on the part of, of advisors might be? If I was an advisor, mm -hmm. this isn't an easy thing for me to move into sometimes, right? So what kind of advice do you give to the advisors? To advisors, I uh, would say that it is a tremendous opportunity for advisors to step up and help their clients 
holistically integrate this into their portfolios in different approaches in different ways. There are a lot of things which makes it naturally a bit difficult for advisors. Mm -hmm. um, there are some sort of what, we, what I call myths that they have in their prejudice that they have in their head that prevents uh, engagement. First, it's a complex field. They need to get to grips of what it is. Very often advisors think that impact investing is equivalent to another another type of philanthropy where you would need to sacrifice returns or actually even lose the capital. They also think that they need to have the full range of products to offer their clients to be credible and be mission aligned themselves, which is not necessarily true. What clients want is they want advisors being a partner mm -hmm. and open up this topic, discuss what is possible, have air understanding on their part that there is a desire to generate impact and make a difference with their capital. So tell us, you know, one of the things we see here at the university is you know, strongly increasing interest in this. We are uh, working to train, we think, of this next generation of investors and advisors. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice do you give to, would you give to a recent graduate who looks at this and says, well, I'm not yet an advisor, I'm not, you know, not part of the mm -hmm. family wealth generation, mm -hmm. but I'd love to get involved with this. Mm -hmm. what, what are your suggestions mm -hmm. around that? I think we all are investors at a certain level. And there are products currently in the market where you can invest as little as $500 in, for example, in Culvert uh, community notes. There are products which are available for retail investors. And trying to put yourself in the shoes of the investor with as little capital you're prepared to do is actually good. There are also investment clubs uh, where you can invest in social enterprises with little amount of money. So that's one side. Another side is that I would encourage students to think broader about impact investing. Impact investing is not only directly placing capital within impact generating enterprises, but it's also thinking of yourself as a catalyst within the organization you, wo you work already in creating these dual objective strategies. For example, businesses and corporations can play an important role in impact investing, not only by investing in social enterprises, but creating strategies within the corporation which generate commercial return and, find, and, and social impact. For example, by creating an inclusive supply chain or developing the products and services for the disadvantaged populations, innovating with their supply chain, innovating with their products, innovating with the delivery models. And all this can be done within the conventional businesses. The same with pension funds, institutional investors. Being an agent of change wherever you are, consulting companies, provider of services. Because impact investing at the end, it has a larger ecosystem and a lot of services are needed to support this market, not only investing directly. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that, that your discussion points to is that this area will be strengthened as we continue to see it part of something that everybody does, that it's something that corporations can start looking at. 
pension funds, entrepreneurs, investors, philanthropists, that it's part of creating this, this larger ecosystem that balances and looks at profits as well as purpose. Absolutely. I think that's, you've, you've phrased it very well. I think what we see in the world is a convergence. Businesses become closer to charities. They incorporate impact dimension in their operations. Charities become closer to businesses. They start for-profit social enterprise arms. They need to generate revenues. They want to embrace market-based solutions. So in this converging world, you can find your place in a large number of uh, institutions. Well, and, and a question then about um, accountability and transparency. You know, when you're talking about businesses um, integrating a social impact aspect, we think it's now very different than the traditional uh, corporate social responsibility or the the kind of um, marketing and philanthropy that corporations do. It's more successful when it's integrated into the business itself and not seen as a as an add-on. How do you are you seeing trends in this as well as the impact investing? Do you think more corporations are learning how to be authentically and transparently involved in social impact? I think so because I think there is a larger appreciation and awareness among, this, among the CEOs and among the corporations that the social and environmental challenges we are facing provide the risks and opportunities which all of us will have to bear the consequences. So it is important that private capital steps up and develops strategies which tackle those challenges while simultaneously providing the business value. This is the shared value approach of uh, Michael Porter. I really love this because it's over-embracive and it's really inclusive where you would say, this is the way to go because corporate social responsibility, it's always going to be a little pocket uh, uh, which will not be maybe taken seriously, yes, but will not be as impactful as a holistic strategy which generates profitability at the same time as tackling the uh, social and environmental challenges. Yes, and one of the things that we see is that a lot of times when we're looking at a corporation, we see where the the corporate social impact aspect lies. If it's just under the marketing department, or if it's just under community affairs, it often has less influence in the business than if it's in one of the, the profit centers. Absolutely. Right. And I think now uh, f corporations, and particularly family-owned businesses, see that the creation of those shared value businesses or shared value initiatives, it becomes an imperative to attracting talent and assuring the succession from the family members because the next generous, they want to see their family business an engine of social change, of positive one. They, know, they want to know how the money is made, not only what you do with the money later on, but they want to align the way how their family business works with their values, with the values of the family. So I think there is a huge uh, um, opportunity there. So, and Julia, what kind of trends do you see among the wealth holders as you're doing your research and thinking about these issues? Right. Um, I think there is a couple that I can think of. First of all, that impact investing is really a, a tool which can be used to generate impact, to safeguard wealth and manage it well, but also to tackle a number of personal and strategic objectives that the family face. Many families 
get excited about impact investing because they see that it could be a glue that keeps the generations of family members together, particularly after the sale of the family business, for example. It could be a tool to educate next generation about responsible wealth management and assure that they can find a protective um, place in the society. It can also be a way of transferring wealth with values and preserving the culture of the family. And the longevity of the family business is also an important thing. But also, families more and more think that Impact investing is, in many cases, a more effective way of giving back than traditional grants, which they sometimes get a bit worried that maybe the long-lasting, tangible, and scalable impact is not necessarily happening. And they're very much excited about market-based solutions um, and supporting um, those models which can provide not just alleviate suffering, but really have a systemic change. So I think this awareness and this focus on systemic change is really well uh, seen. And then another um, trend that I see is trend towards integration, where you would see that impact investing in the earliest stages of involvement of families used to be more like a carve-out. We will do it with part of the assets. But nowadays, a lot of families are thinking that we want to have impact to be one dimension through which, or a prism through which, you will look at all the financial uh, uh, decisions that they will make. And therefore, they will integrate different types of approaches, responsible investing, sustainable investing, and impact investing, in order to achieve a holistic, larger impact with their wealth. Thank you. We've been delighted to have Julia Ballandina Jacquier, author of Catalyzing Wealth for Change, in our studio with us today. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.com. Dot edu.